102.5 FM, KXSFLP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with David Siegel, CEO of Meetup, on its software and how it's bringing people together in person as a solution to address the epidemic of loneliness. Later in the hour, I will be talking to Olivia Chun, CEO of Hey Vina, on the rise of Find a Friend software and how it fosters new friendships as a solution to address the epidemic of loneliness. Lastly, I will be talking with Ninas Samuel, CEO of Bark Happy, on how its software is bringing people together in person through shared love of dogs and creating community around it. Starting with, with David Siegel. Thank you for joining me today, David. Great to be here. How and why was Meetup started? Sure. So go back to uh, an event there, you know, very few events in people's lives that they remember exactly where they were. Um, one was born in the in time of JFK's assassination. One remembers that. I was not, but I remember exactly where I was when I found out about 9-11. Um, and, and our founder, Scott Heiferman, who was the CEO up until about a year ago, uh, certainly remembers where he was. And 9-11 was actually the, the precipitator for Meetup. Um, the background there is that um, Scott really didn't have many relationships with people in his building. Um, you could be in the biggest city in the world, one of the biggest cities in the world, which is you know in New York or San Francisco or any major city, and actually feel lonelier than you know anywhere else. And he felt that. And after 9-11, he just saw that people were coming out of their apartments and looking for community and looking for relationships. And he basically, and realized, why should we wait until a horrible, horrible event like 9-11 to have to bring us together? Can't there be, um, you know, a something, a technology, a platform, or whatever, to facilitate getting people together on a regular basis? And that was a brainchild for Meetup. And Meetup was founded um, within six months after that. And um, and uh, it's now built communities in, you know, 193 countries around the world. That's amazing. What is Meetup's mission? Sure. So our mission statement is the following, and I'll parse it out for you so it doesn't sound too jargony. But our mission statement is to empower personal growth through real human connections. And let me just kind of explain that. Um, We use technology, our website, our apps, and Android and iOS to get people off of technology, right? People are... Technology is a double-edged sword, and we empower, which essentially means we don't do it for people, but we create a platform for people to connect themselves, and personal growth is part of our mission because when people are getting together, whether it's in hiking, whether it's in um, networking, whether it's in learning a new language, that's where the magic happens when you get together in person, and that's how tremendous personal growth can occur and also professional growth can, can occur, and then through real human connections. And we, we try to differentiate ourselves versus, you know, the, the, the big social media um, powerhouse companies like Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram, and by the way, Meetup existed before all of those were kind of the quote-unquote first real social network, I would say. Um, and they're about, you know, 
kind of friends and digital relationships or real, you know, friends by clicking on a button. And we're about real human connections. And, and, and that means, you know, in person, not, you know, a, a digital type relationship because, you know, digital relationships can actually only add to the loneliness epidemic. Um, they don't necessarily um, help to really facilitate it. What really facilitates decreasing loneliness in the world which I'm sure we're going to talk about later, is um, real connections with people. And that has to happen in person. And that is what is interesting about the Meta platform is that it pushes people to commit to an event or create one where they're going to meet others rather than just communicating with each other online. What is it mostly used for? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, like Facebook groups is mostly an online thing, and we focus on all in person. So there's a number of different kind of categories that we have, whether it's kind of outdoor cat, outdoors, and people that want to hike and bike and canoe or whatever they want to do outdoor, you know, running groups, um, hang out with dogs, and, you know, run around. Um, and we have, we have professional groups. We have, you know, uh, we have groups focused on specific areas, um, um, gay tech leader group or, or any type of those types of things. But the biggest group actually for us, which represents a plurality of our members, um, is, is tech. Um, we are particularly strong in tech. And what I mean by that is um, it could be developer groups, uh, learning new languages. It could be iOS groups or Android groups or Salesforce groups. Um, people who are interested in artificial intelligence or machine learning in every country, um, in every city, around the world, we're in 2,000 cities. But the tech is the absolute biggest, and the primary reason that people go to go to our tech meetups, um, and we have like a New York tech meetup with over you know 10,000 members. Um, we have women in tech meetups in over 100 different cities. Um, it is either for networking purposes or for just learning purposes and learning content, learning new technologies. That's that's the most common use of meetup, but it's really a long tail and a broad spectrum of of, uh, of uses. In fact, what's kind of cool is I met someone recently. He's an organizer of two meetups. He's an organizer of a, of a tech meetup and a bowling meetup. And he organized a tech meetup for networking purposes to find a job. And of course... He found a job in his bowling meetup. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so, you know, it's amazing how what I like to say is the personal and the professional kind of are, are deeply intertwined. And sometimes people could have a hiking meetup and it's the best networking for them. And someone could have a tech meetup and they meet their spouses through that. You know? so, so it sounds like people are using it equally for both professional and personal interests. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. Where is it mostly used? Which locations? Yeah, it actually was a surprise to me. So I joined a CEO, as I mentioned, a little over a year ago. I have figured it was heavily U.S.-based. Um, in fact, um, about 52% of our RSVPs to our events um, happen in the U.S. and 48% happen outside of the U.S. And by the end of the year, it'll be flipped and we'll have a majority of our RSVPs outside of the U.S. Um, so in terms of general locations, um, we are much more in cities than in kind of more rural areas for obvious reasons where there's just a cluster of people. It's easier to gather and get together in bigger cities than in more suburban county areas. And we're actually much more, um, there's higher relevancy in places where 
there's more transient type communities. So for example, Berlin is a great example of that, where a lot of people from different areas of the world will come to Berlin, whether it's to find jobs or because of the great culture. Um, and when people are coming to a new city, Meetup is a great application for them. It's, oh, I want to meet new people that also play football or that are um, into photography, and they get really into Meetup. So six of our top 10 cities are actually outside the U.S., Barcelona, Berlin, Paris, um, and the big, big ones in the U.S. Are, are not a surprise, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, uh, Miami. Now I know where to use Meetup outside of the U.S. There you go. <laughs> What do you think is going on? And I'll just tell you, many Meetup employees, when they go traveling to other cities and other countries, they use Meetup in order to meet people that are in those cities. And it's a great thing to do when traveling. You want to meet people actually from the city versus just, you know, do touristy things. Yeah, it's, it's more interesting when you can do that outside of your own country or city. right? Exactly. So, so that's, uh, that's really good to know. What do you think is going on in the modern day social landscape that makes Meetup so appealing to people? Yes, it's a, such an important question. You know, I was talking originally about the loneliness epidemic, and it's just real. There's a number of different data points that I'd love to share around um, kind of the social landscape. So, a recent poll um, by Cigna they found that 46% of people would kind of characterize themselves as regularly feeling lonely. And an even more recent poll, just this year in 2020 by Ford, the Ford Foundation, they looked at loneliness by different age cohorts. And by far the most lonely individuals is Gen Z, you know, people who are the youngest, and the 62% said they regularly feel lonely. And then the next largest age cohort was millennials um, at close to 50%. And people who are um, boomers actually feel the least lonely, and it's not such a surprise. And there's an inverse relationship to use of technology and kind of feelings of loneliness. And there's other things like 89% of people said that their last social interaction was interrupted with kind of some kind of um, cell phone or technology. And another one that kind of blows my mind is that a quarter of people, 25% of people, don't feel like they have even one trusted confidant in life, which is terrifying. Um, about 20 years ago, that number was 10%. Um, and not to even have one person that you feel is your trusted confidant is, well, it's, ter- it's, it's really scary. Um, and I think from a modern day social landscape, um, I think the, the, the loneliness challenges are real and that's where Meetup kind of steps in. And that's what's appealing about Meetup in that you can find people who share your passions, and that's a great thing because you get to meet them. The other thing is that people are increasingly have a tendency to hang out with people who are most similar to them, and that's dangerous. And just like in social media, you're actually more prone to read things that are more consistent with your personal belief system and political or religious or any other ideologies, and it only causes people to be even stronger in their beliefs That's also dangerous. So as funny as it may sound, I genuinely believe that one of my aspirations for Meetup is that 
we're a cure for xenophobia and, and racism and any kind of bigotry. And the reason I say that is because when you start meeting up with people that are different from you and you build relationships with people who are different from you from a gender perspective, from a race perspective, from an age perspective, you know, things like ageism um, and and other other um, negative isms um, can really can really decrease significantly. So then the direction or the future of Meetup will be to really diversify people's experiences on the platform? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we actually just launched was the ability to find different topics that may be of interest to you because people who have gone to those um, also have found that, you know, you might be always going into tech meetups, but hey, this other meetup that persons A, B, and C went to that are similar to you, this particular thing could be really interesting. I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine. So a friend of mine has told me that, you know, he's 55 years old and he goes to a horror film monthly meetup where they watch horror films together and then hang out and have dinner together afterwards. And um, there are people that are 22 years old and the people that are 80 years old. And and this 50-year-old guy would not really have the opportunity to hang out with those different, totally different type of type of age groups and different types of people. And, and to be able to expose people to all these different types of events. And also, rather than the way that people meet people today, oftentimes it's like hanging out in a bar. And, you know, there's got to be better ways to spend one's time in meeting people than... Um, then going you know, to the to bar be potentially inebriated at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it, so you make a really good point. I think it's a great experience when you have different generations sharing the same experience rather than these age groups all only interacting with that particular or their particular age group, right? Correct. How, what is the age group that's really using Meetup? Yeah, our biggest kind of age group is the the, the middle of the pack, the you know, the, the twenty five to forty nine year old age group. It doesn't mean that we don't have plenty of people who are we have fifty five and above groups for individuals that want that. We have knitting groups that tend to skew older. <laughs> Not a surprise on that one, um, and we have super uh, and we have other groups that that tend to skew like a video gaming group that tends to skew, you know, in the, the 18 to 24 year old. But the sweet spot for us is kind of, um, is, that, is the kind of the 30 year old, early 40 year old, late 20s, you know, 25 to, to, to mid 40s is, is really the uh, sweet spot. And what we find there is when people are before they're starting a family, um, there's a need to want to, and, and they have more free time. Um, to be able to kind of go out and do things. And then once people actually start a family, sometimes it can be lonely um, when one has uh, a young child or a couple of young children. And and we have many um, kind of new dad meetups and new mom meetups and stay-at-home dad meetups, um, um, uh, meetup groups. Um, so that tends to be the, the kind of sweet spot, you know, for us from an age demographic. It's interesting that you say that because... Research does show that there are many mothers and fathers who feel lonely, even though they're preoccupied 
with family and obligations at home that they stop then talking about themselves and their interests and their challenges with other people. The focus is so much now on the family. And so it's great to hear that they have meet up to get out there and do what they enjoy and have these conversations. Yeah, what a, what a great point. I mean, we are great one, Kelly. It's, I, I have three children, and, um, and it's very easy to lose oneself um, in, when focusing on one's children or one significant other. And that's a dangerous thing, because if you don't have a strong self, then you're, you can't have a strong relationship with one's significant other or, or with one's children. And um, I think Meetup, because of the fact that it's about you, it's about your passions, it's about who you are and what makes you special, what, what you care the most about, um, can really build upon those relationships that you care about. And, and in addition to that, by the way, there are many kind of um, parent support groups. So parents of children with ADHD or, or children of parents who have Alzheimer's type groups. So in those situations, even though that's not necessarily just about you, it's about supporting, um, it, it also helps in terms of building one sense of self because you build relationships with other people who may be going through some of the same things that you're going through. And you can have those deeper conversations of struggle that you wouldn't have otherwise because other people aren't going to understand it the same way, which is, it, yeah, which is powerful. It, it is. It is. A, another friend of mine runs a, a, a breast cancer support group um, in the South. And, and she has told me, she, she said, I, I feel like I'm saving people's lives because we get together and we share different treatments and we share different things that we're going through. And yes, there's emotional support, but there's actually also kind of um, alternative advice on, on, on ways of approaching different conditions that you know can be very valuable. And also to your point, events that bring together cross-generational groups, that's powerful too, because most of the time you wouldn't think about having that experience. And it's so yeah. much richer for everybody. It is, it really is. And I'll tell you, you know, I, 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 there is ageism that exists in the workplace, and uh, you know, even among te- uh, among among some tech companies um, on both sides um, of the equation, and a lot of it comes down. And there's uh, there's also this um, frequent kind of anti-millennial, you know, feelings that also exist by you know individuals in their in let's say late thirties, forties, or fifties, and all of that is just so unhealthy. And um, all of that gets broken down when people are, like I said, watching a horror film together and then, and then drinking wine right afterwards and talking about it or, or going hiking together and uh, conquering a mountain, whatever their goal may be. How many people have connected and used Meetup as of today? Oh, man. Yeah, we have 49 million members. Wow. We have, uh, which is a lot. We have um, over 15,000 meetup events every single day <laughs> that's a lot of events happening around the world in 193 different countries and 2,000 different cities so um, you really anywhere you are you can turn you know put an iOS Android app or go to our website but use our app and you can find some something cool to go to um, and hopefully gain from but yeah we're we're uh, 
it's 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 an awesome. I, I went to a conference recently, and I was walking around in a meetup T-shirt, and this happens to me all the time. And people just stop me, and they're like, "I love meetup." <laughs> I'm running in San Francisco, actually, uh, from Fisherman's Wharf to. Um, uh, just along the, along the water there, and I had someone scream out after me, like I love you, <laughs> so, you know, it, we definitely have our following. It's really nice. That must be a great feeling. Yeah. Are there equal number of men, or are there more men than women using Meetup? Yeah, it's it's really close to fifty fifty. The only split I would say is that um, among our tech groups, not surprisingly. They skew slightly more, a little more than slight. Let's say sixty percent, perhaps more, more male and forty percent female. Um, and our on our um, and on our non-tech groups, they actually skew stronger female than male. Our support groups are more female than male. Obviously, not obviously, but book club groups, language um, speaking groups are, are more female than male. So net net, it's actually fairly close to fifty fifty. Um, and one thing that we're really proud of is even though our tech groups tend to skew male, we have hundreds of women in tech meetups around the world, um, girls who code meetups around the world, women in product meetups around the world. And it's just so gratifying to kind of be a platform that helps to um, really drive greater levels of gender equality um, within tech. Um, it's, it's, it's a big part of, of, of what gets me and, 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 and others kind of excited about our platform. What is the most meaningful way to use Meetup? It's all about what you're interested in. If, uh, I would say download the app if you don't have it. Get on the app, look, look, type it, you know, put in your address or it'll, it'll probably come up automatically. And then just filter through and look at the different topic, the different areas that um, meetup, meetup events that we have. You are going to find something guaranteed in your area today or tomorrow or at the latest this week that's going to be super interesting to you. And then RSVP. And then actually go after your RSVP because sometimes people RSVP and then don't attend. But make it make yourself get out of get off the couch, get off of Netflix. Um, and, and just go out there. And even if you don't know anyone attending, sometimes that's a better better reason to go and to have to feel like you need two or three people whom you know kind of to go with you. And that's the best way to do it, just discovery. Do a search for something you're interested in or just, just you know, just flip through the app and, and you'll see events that, that will be interesting. That's great advice. Or you could create your own, right, if you don't find what you're looking for. Oh, yeah. We have 330,000 groups on the platform. We have over 230,000 different organizers. We've got um, uh, hundreds of new groups and being created every single day. Um, and one of the most gratifying things for people is actually being an organizer. We recently polled our organizers, and, and this is really an amazing number, 89% of our organizers so that they feel like they're making the world a better place because of their meetup group. And that's awesome. And, you know, sometimes the teacher gains more than the student. And when you could be an organizer and um, be able to share your experiences and help to build something, um, it could be a uh, career and or, you know, life-defining experience to be able to do that. So absolutely, um, we, we, we love it when people create more groups. Yeah, you learn from others too. 
What do you have to be mind, mindful of when you're using the app or meeting up with others through the app? Yeah, so so just like any platform that enables in-person connections, um, safety and trust is kind of the foundation of everything for us. Um, fortunately, unlike a quote-unquote dating app where you could be one-on-one with someone, there's a lot more risk associated with that. If you're getting into a car and then let's say an Uber or a Lyft, again, you're one-on-one with someone, but all interactions that meet up happen in groups and in events. So the um, there's a safety there that people have um, that's um, more comforting than a one-on-one type interaction. We have a large group of people who are focused on kicking out any bad actors from the system. We've this is past year, if we even sniff of any kind of negative action by someone, we'll kick them out of meeting. We'll kick out over 100,000 people just in the last 12 months. Um, and that's because so one, you know, we have a really close to zero tolerance policy. Um, anyone that acts inappropriately in any way, whether they're just trying to sell people stuff or whether they are um, uh, having any inappropriate kind of conversations with someone, um, we make sure that they're no longer part of our uh, part of our ecosystem. So it's 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 extremely important to us. That's good to know. Will WeWork's acquisition change the direction of Meetup at all? Yeah, I mean, so so WeWork acquired us about um, a little over two years ago. Um, so we've been a part of WeWork now for over two years. Um, WeWork is actually now selling us, um, which is public information. Um, and we're going to be divested out of WeWork. Um, and we were a very independent company as, lo- as long as we were part of WeWork. had our separate um, P&L and separate employees and separate location, separate executive team. Um, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, so there's not going to be a significant difference whether we're part of WeWork, whether we leave WeWork. Um, but, but what's exciting is that the, the company that we're talking to about uh, the acquisition um, is one that is incredibly mission aligned and is looking to kind of continue to invest resources and go into business. Good to know. Yeah. I, I really enjoy our conversation. Thank you for joining me on Spark today. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. We are going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters. Next up, I will be talking to Olivia June, CEO of Hey Bina, on the rise of Find a Friend software app and how it fosters new friendships as a solution to address the epidemic of loneliness. Keep real radio alive, people. Live, local, real radio. That's why you're here listening to KXSF, right? On 102.5 FM San Francisco. We give you more of what you want, music and programming curated by actual human beings who live locally in your neighbourhoods, plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF really needs your help. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm and clicking on Donate. It's 100% tax deductible. Keep real radio alive in San Francisco and donate now, everyone. Thank you so much. 
This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Olivia June, founder of Hey Vina, a software app that helps you find a friend. We'll be talking about the rise of Find a Friend app and how it helps you to connect with others that have similar interests. Thank you for joining me today, Olivia. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How and why was Hey Vina started? I started Hey Vina back in 2015 is when I got started working on it. And it was because when I first moved to San Francisco in 2009, I was suddenly recently graduated from college and I really was put in a position where I didn't know how to meet new friends and I moved to San Francisco as the new person in town and I tried a lot of different things from volunteering to signing up for doing a triathlon to everything and I eventually turned to online dating just to get out of the house and meet people and I was single and I started noticing that the women on Havina looked really cool because uh, back in those days on OkCupid, which was the dating website because we didn't have Tinder or iPhones yet, uh, I, they would show you the people who were similar to you. And I thought, wow, these girls are really, really cool. These are the people I want to be friends with. But the problem was that we were on a dating site. And so I decided to go ahead and message them anyway and see if maybe we could make a connection, but it was super weird and I didn't know how to not be weird about it. Um, and I got rejected quite a bit. And so ultimately I met one person, but it wasn't really the right path because everyone was expecting dates. And so they were wondering what my ulterior motive was. And so I went on a few years later to start a women's networking group. Every month, a friend and I would throw a happy hour called Lady Suvino. And the premise was just to network like friends. And we went on to host the events monthly for years and years. And until finally, a lot of our members started moving or traveling and wanted us to host events in different cities. And um, us being, me being a tech person, I decided actually that why don't I take everything I've learned in the world of bro culture startups where I've been working and apply it to solving a problem for women all around the world. And uh, start tackling the fact that it was so hard to get connected, uh, you know, in the modern era to, to new people. Uh, so I went on and built Vina, launched it in January 2016, and it suddenly took off like wildfire. And within a few weeks, we had uh, over 100,000 members join the platform. We were covered in you know, dozens of music of uh, media outlets all around the world, and it was really spectacular. But this was before, you know, the Me Too movement, and this was before the Women's March, and this was before we had even the phrase, the loneliness epidemic. Hmm. How is Havina used, and what is it most commonly used for? I mean, we see use cases of all different types from, you know, similar to me being the new girl in town, a lot of people are moving around in their uh, 20s and 30s and all throughout our lives as we do that. Uh, we see tons of people using it when they travel. So a lot of travel, solo travelers where they want to uh, meet up with locals in the area or meet other travelers in the area. We see people using it to expand um, 
their social circles around hobbies and activities, everything from working out to uh, doing arts and crafts to playing video games and uh, watching their favorite TV shows. We see tons of people using it around different life stage changes, so getting engaged or getting married or um, having a baby or things like that where your social circle starts to evolve and change, or maybe all of your friends are having a baby and you're not, so you're looking for more people who are at a similar stage of life as you. And then some people who are just looking to expand their social circles. We've seen tremendous success from people who've lived in the same place for era, didn't for ages and didn't, you know, change life stages or, you know, pick up a new hobby, who were just like, you know, who are the people who live around me? I want to meet more people. What about the age group? Is there a particular age group that's using KVNA or is it a wide range? We have a really wide range of members, you know, from everything from as young as late teens to women in their 80s and 90s. It changes by location um, on what kind of people are where, but most of our members tend to find themselves within the age of 20 to 35. And then we have tons of, of people who are outside of that who are finding each other as well. And what about locations and cities? Is it used more in certain locations and cities? We have members in 158 countries around the world. And so we really see this everywhere from rural cities and towns to uh, major metropolitan areas. So New York City is our number one city in the world. And we see people really everywhere. Um, You know, you can change your location settings within the app to be as close or as far as you're willing to go. People in cities are generally less willing or less able to travel long distances where people in rural areas are more able to travel, you know, 50 miles away to meet someone. What is going on in the modern day social landscape that makes Hey Pina so appealing to people? You know, I think we're really looking for opportunities to re-engage with the world and in our life. We have been given so many resources and so many opportunities to build online networks. And we've really been trained to optimize for our online presence, whether it's your Instagram or your Twitter or your TikTok. We're creating so much media and so much content and making all these online connections, but we're really starved for in-person interaction. And so that leaves us actually um, in a state where our brains um, tend to be thinking, oh, we are... We're actually socializing quite a bit. We have all these social interactions. We have thousands of friends online. But then our bodies and our souls are really starved for in-person connection, the energetic transfer between people, not to get too woo-woo, but, you know, we all have energy in our bodies. All living things do. And when people are in the presence of each other, there's actual exchanges and, and nourishment that happens from connecting with other people. And so it's really, really important. And in the medical um, world, World, they've actually started to recognize the physiological impact of uh, how much time we're spending with other people, how deep we're getting, how much we're feeling seen versus having surface level connections. And really, um, now we have all this data and research and, and findings that show this makes a meaningful impact on uh, our span of life. It's actually our number one predictor of longevity. You're more likely to live a long time if you um, drink, smoke, don't work out, get the flu, but you have lots of social connections. Um, It's actually a bigger indicator of how long you live 
uh, than any of those things. Yes, I've seen the studies show that social connections is the biggest bridge to longevity. So it seems like it's mostly women who are using Finofrena. Why is this? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of what's been going on in the world of gender for a long time. And the reason we focus on when, women is because um, my background being in social psychology, I did quite a bit of work in gender studies. And there's actually differences in the way in which men or the masculine way of making friends versus the feminine way of making friends. And the feminine way is through storytelling and emotional disclosure and going really deep pretty quickly. Whereas the masculine style of of bonding tends to be through more activities and more um, doing things together and then maybe later um, building an emotional connection. And sometimes, you know, men don't, don't ever even get to that stage with their, in their relationships. That's not to say that men or women don't, don't vary between their masculine or feminine style of making friends, but um, we just see a general like openness to go and be vulnerable and say, hey, you know what, I'm actually feeling lonely. I'm actually you know, wanting and needing this social connection so badly, and I'm putting myself out there to do that. Women tend to kind of romance each other and like their friendships. So, well, go on, lady dates, as uh, my friends and I call them. Um, whereas uh, it tends to be quite different for men. And that's not to say that men aren't feeling lonely. The research actually shows that males uh, tend to, or men tend to suffer from loneliness actually at similar and slightly elevated rates than women, especially in older age. How is Havina helping to create and foster communities? Because it's also about a sense of community, right? Not just having a few really good friends. You know, community is a few different, a few really close friends, but it's also about building, you know, a, a network of people and having more circles of people and overlapping those relationships. And so Vina allows people to both swipe and match on an individual basis, but also allows you to post events to your community. So maybe you want to host a happy hour, or maybe you want to invite all the women in town to come to your birthday party uh, or organize a trip. And so it allows people to really do and and provide activities in a safe, you know, women-only environment. Interesting. How is it different from other Find a Friend app? You know, there's not a lot of Find a Friend-specific apps out there, at least that I'm aware of at this point. Um and I wish, you know, I think that there should be tons of them. There should be just as many apps out there for people to find friends as there should be for people to find dates, um, if not more, because you know, when you're looking for a date, you're looking for that one person, whereas at Friendships, we need so many different relationships, platonic relationships in our lives. Um, so, Vina, I don't really know how it's specifically different, but we really focus on um, the true uh, social psychology needs of our members and keep it in, you know, a, a really focused style of friend making in the way that we um, focus on the experience of women. And what do you have to be mindful of when you're using the app or meeting up with others through the app? I mean, I think the most important thing to be mindful of is the feelings of other people, including yourself. It's so easy when we use technology to just kind of ignore someone and ghost them or not respond or flake out because we have this barrier of not having to look at people in their face 
when we do these things. But keeping in mind that, you know, these are other people who are doing the really hard work of putting themselves out there, just like you. And it's really challenging for some people. A lot of us are really um, shy or have been really badly hurt by people in the past. And um, despite, you know, really having those those wounds that we may have had socially throughout our lives are making a big effort of putting themselves out there and honestly, genuinely wanting to make meaningful connections. And so, you know, keeping it in mind that it's really hard for a lot of people to do this. Most people feel awkward um, and going about and saying, hey, I'm here to make friends because we feel like it should be something that's so easy, but it's something that really, uh, you know, about 100 people in the percent of the people really feel like it's awkward or challenging for them too. So what are the three suggestions for our listeners who are interested in going on Havina? How should they start? Well, it's uh, for free to download on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And go ahead and just give it a try. I mean, honestly, just don't think about it too much. Just put yourself out there show up, be kind to people, and be true to yourself. You know, it's really, don't try to be the most palatable version of yourself. Don't be, you know, try to write the things on your profile that you think people are going to like. Be your genuine self, because that's what we're here to, everyone's here to show up to do and meet and get to know, because that's what makes you special, is the fact that you are you. Well, thank you for joining me on Spark today. Thank you so much for having me. We are going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters. Next up, I will be talking with Ninas Samuel, CEO of Bark Happy, on how its software is bringing people together in person through shared love of dogs and creating community around it. Support for KXSF comes from Lady Falcon Coffee Club, an iconoclastic, only in San Francisco, coffee roastery. Born and blended by the beach in the outer sunset and female-owned and operated, look for Lady Falcon Coffee Club beans at Byright, Williams-Sonoma, Gus's, Rainbow Grocery, Good Eggs, and other fine food vendors, or at their vintage mobile coffee truck about town. Learn more by visiting their website at ladyfalconcoffeeclub.com. Thanks for supporting San Francisco Community Radio. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. I'm talking with Ninas Samuel, CEO of Bark Happy on how its software is bringing people together in person through shared love of dogs and creating community around it. Thank you for joining me today on Spark. Eunice, what is Bark Happy? So Bark Happy, it's a, a free mobile app for dog owners. It helps you socialize your dog and find dog-friendly places. Um, and uh, we actually also do things like dog-friendly charity events and things like that. So it's all about a way to engage and enjoy life with your dog. What is the mission? Um, well, you know, I started Bark Happy really from that purpose of helping people 
enjoy life with their dog. And the goal was all about building an engaged, active community of dog owners and dogs. Uh, and it all came from my experience with my dog. You know, I used to travel with him quite a bit. It was always hard finding dog-friendly places. Knowing if a bar or a restaurant had a dog-friendly patio, you had to call or walk in and ask. And then you also, if you're a dog owner, if you walk by another dog owner, there's just this natural connection that happens. You instantly have something to talk about. Your dogs usually want to greet each other. So it all came from that. And the goal was to help make your life easier and more fun with your dog and to connect dog owners and, and dogs together. What is Bark Happy mostly used for? So there's a couple of big things you can do with the app. Um, um, one of the biggest things is we have a dog-friendly map. So the entire uh, United States, we have over 75,000 dog-friendly bars, restaurants, hotels, dog parks, vets, stores. So you can use it to find places that you can visit with your dog. And if it's a restaurant, for example, it tells you if, you have, if it has dog-friendly uh, seating inside, outside, dog treats, water bowls, etc. And so one big piece of it is discovery, finding places you can go with your dog. The other piece of the um, app is you make a profile for your dog. So it's a social app. It lets you see other dog owners in your area. So you can message, uh, make friends. You can meet up for dog park play dates and walks. So a lot of people have met new friends um, through their dogs through our app. And the other piece, the last piece of our, our business is we do dog-friendly charity events. So over the past three and a half years, which we've been nationwide, we always support local rescue shelters. So we do dog bar crawls, movie nights. We even do doggy fashion shows at Nordstrom. We just finished a big one a month ago in Austin. So it's all about taking your dog places to enjoy and and, um, promoting the fact that so many places and businesses are dog friendly. It makes the experience really rich, right? Having the connection to different social venues and being able to connect with other people. Yeah, and it all comes from, you know, the happiness you see in a dog. A dog wants to be with you. They want to go places with you. They don't want to be stuck at home. They don't want you to sit around and be on the Internet. They want to, like, go experience the world, too. So we're trying to help people find the local areas, businesses, dog parks that are in their in their um, home city. Uh, but also there's something, too, making friends through dogs. And there's something about dog owners making new friends through um, their pets. So, yeah, we've been live nationwide for the past three and a half years. Um, and uh, we've been doing charity events in the past couple of years in major cities. And, you know, so far so good. We've had well over 100,000 people make profiles and use the app. Um, and we have some really great um, people that love, you know, connecting to their dogs. You are right. Dogs don't want to stay home. They really want to experience life like you do. And this is a great way for them to, or for the dog owners to find what they can do with their dogs. And as you were saying, it's this sense of community when you see other dog owners and being able to connect because you just have that natural share of love of your dog and wanting to do things with your dog, right? That's um, exactly that's yep. like really relatable. Where is Bark Happy being used the most? Like which locations? Um, you know, some of the most popular, like, it's, it's available, of course, nationwide in all major cities, all cities, uh, all, even some of the small towns, you know, our map has dog-friendly places. There might be some very, very small towns that have an empty map, but the ma- dog-friendly map in Bar Happy is also crowdsourced. So anybody can add a place that's dog-friendly that's missing. So you can hold your finger down on the map and let go, and you can add a place. Uh, but some of the most popular cities where we have the most users, Austin, of course, so we were based in Austin, that's where we originally started the company. Um, it has probably the, some of the most users, but Austin, Buffalo, uh, Boston is a really big city. We sell out events there all the time. Uh, San Diego, Seattle, I mean, any major city you can see. I mean, here in Chicago, big community, there's always dogs nearby that we can you can swipe through and, and check out. So 
Uh, pretty much all the large cities in the United States are full with bar cap users, but I'd say Austin, Boston, Buffalo, um, Sacramento, uh, Chicago, some of the more, you know, maybe the most users in those cities. What is going on in the modern social landscape, though, that's making the app appealing for people to meet up with their dogs? It's been one of those things where, with again, it kind of came from the original experience of any dog owner, if you have a dog and you're walking down the street, there's this natural social connection between dogs. They have this natural connection. They all want to smell each other. They all want to say hi. And then typically, more often than not, the dog owner says hi to that person as well. And because you have this natural thing to talk about. It's like, you know, two parents with kids, right? You have a natural connection and, and topics to talk about. So with dog owners, there's always a natural connection that dog owners want to be comfortable meeting other dog owners. So they have something to say. And it's led by their dogs wanting to be social. Have you ever seen dogs at a dog park? They crave being social. It's their, it's their instinct. So there's this natural combination of the dog and the dog owner being naturally wanting to be social and having something to connect. So that's kind of why it's so appealing. I think the other thing is just people love dogs. They love seeing cute pictures of dogs. We have a really popular Instagram account that uses the hashtag BarkHappy. We love celebrating dogs. It's one of those universal things that, you know, dogs are just pure. You know, there's no politics. There's no hate. It's just, you know, the love of a dog. So, um, yeah, I think that combination's made, you know, like things like our app really popular. And just in general, the idea of being social with your dog is such a uh, heartwarming thing. So even things like sharing content and videos and photos of your dog, you know, all of us are the ones who post nothing but pictures of our dogs on Instagram and videos. So that, I think that's why it's so appealing for apps like ours and experiences like ours. So who's creating the sense of community, the dogs or the dog owners? Uh, I think it's both. I think it's both because if the dogs were not part of the equation, it'd be, it wouldn't be a natural community. I think um, you have a, a dog with you that's a natural reason to talk to someone and meet. And then we have people that have made some of their best friends through our app. We even had a couple that got married through our app uh, last year. And you know, when people make lifelong friends through their dogs and their dogs become friends, their dogs want to have play dates, their dogs want to go walks together, go on walks together. So um, I think it takes the combination, but I don't think it would be as unique as a community of a community and connected without the dog equation. Right. So I think, right. um, you know, dogs are such a great way to connect people. And, uh, and, you know, what I've found, what I've seen are we have, you know, people that have been friends through our app for years and the dogs have, you know, fans and Instagram accounts and best friends through it. And so it's a natural thing that, um, yeah, you know, they kind of push us to be more social. And probably people go to the same park and they see the same people all the time and the same dogs, right? So then you kind of start to build that experience over time together. Exactly. And now, you know, those people know your dog's name. You might, in our app, send that person a wag or a message or check out if they're going to the, bar, uh, to the uh, dog park. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in, in every neighborhood, there are local dog parks or areas that, you know, people are regulars. And it's pretty amazing, you know, when I walk with my dog, Kirby, who's our chief puppy officer, my little co-founder here, like, you know, in Austin or Chicago, people in, in the area know him. They know his name or they've met him through the app, you know. or um, So it's really unique that, again, there's a sense of community that's built between people and dog owners and the local community. We're really big about the local community, you know, helping dog-friendly businesses, local pet stores, local restaurants and bars, you know, most of the restaurants and bars that we've worked with for things like events, you know, they see an uptick in sales because they can appeal to an, an additional audience that want to come out with their dogs and eat on the patio or go to their store because it's a dog-friendly, you know, shopping experience. Yeah, and having that relationship, too, with all the dog businesses makes a huge difference. Exactly. And we're big, you know, obviously we're supporters of anybody that's a dog-friendly business. Uh, I, you know, I, I hope there are more and more seeing the value of being dog-friendly um, when they're able to. 
What is the age group more likely to use Spark Happy? You know, what's really interesting about that is, you know, if you think about it, dog ownership has no specific age, right? So people, you know, I thought at first, uh, especially because we're an app that we'd skew, uh, you know, fairly young, you know, 20s, 30s, et cetera. But what I noticed is, you know, because dog owners are of, of all ages, as long as they are somewhat tech savvy, able to use a smartphone, they can use our app. And so, you know, we have owners, dog owners who are, you know, in their you know, 60s and retired and just love their dog and they come to our events and they use our app. Um, and we also, of course, like have, uh, you know, most folks in their 20s, 30s and 40s. So it really bridges the gap because dog ownership isn't a young or an old person thing at all. Right? Yeah, everyone loves dogs. And so um, I'd say, you know, it, it runs the gamut. The majority of our users are probably between the ages of like 20 and 40 or so. Um, and but we have so many users of all ages. It's really great uh, to see that because it's such a universal love for dogs. Uh, so as long as they can use an app, uh, and use a smartphone, you know, they have no problem using our app. And some people that maybe don't even use our app might experience our events over the past couple of years. You know, they may not even have, you know, that much smartphone usage, but they've heard about one of our events and come out and just to enjoy dogs. That's really good to hear. What do you have to be mindful of when you're using the app or meeting up with others through the app? Well, um, I mean, there's two ways to answer that, especially now in the world that we live in today. But, uh, you know, one thing about using our app or any app out there, any piece of social media, Facebook, et cetera, there's always a level of, you know, making sure you're careful, right? So making sure that you don't provide personal information for, to a stranger and make sure that if you're going to be with someone with their dog, you know, meet somewhere at a dog park, meet somewhere public. You know, it's the same amount of um, precautions you might take as you meet a stranger at a dog park. But um, in here, it's all about, you know, focusing on your dog, letting your dogs play, taking walks, et cetera. And I just, we always ask your people just to take the same, similar amount of precautions you would any, anything else you're using uh, on anything else you're using, like such as Facebook or any other social media app out there. There's so many apps and even things like group meetup groups, et cetera, that um, offer similar type of experiences. Now, are there any situations where it may be an uncomfortable engagement and you, you need to know how to navigate through that? We haven't found any issues like that. So, I mean, it depends, right? So if you're using the app, for example, and let's say you meet a dog owner on the app or you're messaging a person in the app and you don't want to talk to them again or maybe they bug you. In our app, we have a simple way to report somebody or block somebody. So if anybody ever bothers you or if, say you don't want to hear from somebody again, you can easily block them in the app. Uh, and then, of course, like in public, if you're at an event or you're meeting with your dog, you know, it's the same kind of precautions you take in real life. You know, nothing special more than, you know, uh, being careful with your dog. You know, some also some people may have sometimes aggressive dogs. We've always advised people that, you know, being social with your dog is all about watching, you know, good dog kind of guidelines, the behavior guidelines. Make sure your dog is friendly. Uh, any aggressive dogs are not allowed to be at our events. Um, you know, socializing dogs. Every dog owner knows there's some certain rules about following when you meet other dogs and dog owners. Because not every dog is the same. You know, you have to watch their behavior, always be in control of your own dog. Um, but yeah, in our app itself, there's always ways to either make yourself private or block other users. Um, but what I've found is we've had, honestly, no issues in the past three and a half years we've been in business. And there's this kind of natural connection and uh, somewhat trust you know, amongst dog owners. And you know, people just need to exercise common sense if they're ever out in public with their dog. That's good to hear. Thank you for joining me on Spark today, Ninas. Thank you.